Hello and welcome to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Indurante and joining me as always is Catherine Moore. Catherine, how's it going? Hey Scott, it's going good. How is it going with you? Uh, very good. I'm so excited for our episode today with Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast. I love Best Coast. I'm so excited that we got her on the podcast. It's a big yeah. app. It's great. Huge app. And she was just awesome to talk to. So really looking forward to everyone listening to that. But first, what have you been doing? What have you been listening to? Um, So since we last chatted, I did see the Harris Tour film. Uh, and then also nice. 1989 Taylor's version came out. So I do need to spend a little bit of time talking about Taylor Swift. We've talked about 1989 offline before. And I know you're not a huge fan. The re-record is great. I think like there's a couple songs that the production sounds a little bit different and wonky, I would say, and, and fans are kind of pointing that out. But I really like the vault songs, Say Don't Go, her song with Diane Warren. And then Is It Over Now is the other one that's really kind of blowing up. And both of those are really great. Have you listened to the yeah. vault songs yet? <sighs> I haven't. I okay. I haven't listened to any of it yet, and <laughs> I apologize to everyone and to you for that. I I will. Okay. I mean, I've I've heard snippets of all the vault songs, yeah. and I've heard snippets of the re-records, and throughout this whole project, each time there's a new album, I just feel more and more like I don't know why we're doing it, other than the vault songs. Like that, yeah. I think is a really cool aspect of it. I totally understand the initial impulse of it. A lot of things have changed business-wise to make it a little less, uh, like, Scooter Braun does not own the yeah, original Masters right. anymore. Anyway. I know. I have, like, a hard time with the story now. It's like, wait, why do we hate the the old versions now? And, and, and it's just, you know, it's all of respect to Christopher Rowe, who I'm sure is a very nice man. <laughs> He's not a producer. Like, he had never produced anything before these re-records. Yeah. He was, like, a mixing engineer and worked on a lot of the early Taylor albums, but... You're talking about songs that were originally produced by Max Martin yeah. and Shellback. You know, a lot of TikToks are posting clips of Style or or Welcome to New York, whatever, and saying, mm -hmm. oh, this sounds like the Kids Bob version of Style. And it's like, because that's what it is, yeah. in a way, right? It's like someone recreating these very expensive professional pop recordings who, like, maybe doesn't have the talent to do so. And yeah. like, again, I'm saying this fully as someone who like, hasn't even listened to this one yet. So I understand like, it's not fair <laughs> for yeah. me to even say that, but just like, that's what I see other people saying. And I think it's just like, why, why are we doing it? If not to like, make them sound better or, or different in some way, you know? Yeah. I support her and I have a t-shirt that says Taylor's version. And you yeah, know. <laughs> Wait, I, I think, I but, think the people who know your heart know you're a Taylor supporter, but I agree. Like sometime this impulse of like, everything has to be owned by her, controlled by her is like, gets a little old when all the Swifties are reacting. Like this is a brand new album when it's really not, you know? Right, right, right. Okay. So that's what I've been listening to. You've been going to shows. You've been doing some more music stuff. What, what's been up with you? Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, I went to see Mason Ramsey. Uh, you may know him as Walmart Yoda Boy. <laughs> Speaking of people that people who know you know that you are a major supporter of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was he was great. Honestly, like he's got a really 
great voice, like all memes aside. His voice obviously has changed, but it is still really good. Like he's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. He's still very young, but compared to when I saw him in 2018 or 2019, you know, he's much more comfortable on stage. The yeah. first time I saw him, it looked, it was like a little bit of a hostage video. Vibe, <laughs> you know? uh, how's he, yeah. How's his stage presence? Like, obviously he's, he's gotten more mature. Yeah. It's awkward, but much more enthusiastic. You know, yeah. he is just really talented and, a lot of the songs are really good, and I'm just excited to like see what he does as like a full adult yeah. in five or six years. So, the other very important thing that I have to talk about is Dix the Musical. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> this is a film. It's in theaters now. <laughs> I urge everyone to go see it. I've, every person I've talked to in the past two weeks, I've been like, "You got to go see Dix the Musical." <laughs> you included, Catherine. Yeah, I know. It's an absurdist sort of DIY. Uh, very queer musical released by A24. It's like The Parent Trap, but gayer. And Nathan Lane, Megan Mullally, great songs. Bowen Yang plays God. It's, yeah, hearing it described it. as a gay parent trap actually like makes me want to go see it like expeditiously. Like I, <laughs> I'm looking up Showtimes right now. Like <laughs> this is like yeah, very important to me now. I, I mean Bowen Yang, I already knew I wanted to see in it, and I know. There's a Meg The Stallion cameo or song. It's unclear, yes. but it all sounds sounds great. I think the absurdist and the musical part is tough for me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I will go see it because, I don't know, the gay parent trap part is like, yeah, that sounds like up my alley. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, very funny and pretty offensive. We did have someone walk out uh, towards the end of the movie. <laughs> the end it, of the movie. It takes a pretty sharp turn. He got so close to the end, and he was like, nope, this oh, is too much. Oh, my God. That's the other thing. This I got to tell you, this is like a tight 86-minute yeah. movie. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so... So you can really, it's yeah. not a huge time commitment okay. to go check this out and All right. support weirdo movies. I will the spend 86 minutes of my weekend this weekend seeing Dick's The Musical. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is last night I went with our friend Jose. We saw Gatlin here in New York at Baby's All Right. And look, I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but Gatlin's on the pot. Yeah, she's coming. we've actually done a recording with her. So we know that she's very, very cool. And you... Met her at her show, too, right? Yeah, we did a meet and greet. It was great. We got a Polaroid. Jose was dressed as Gatlin, uh, (laughs) which was great. And um, yeah, we had a great time. And she was amazing, too. Like The songs I knew were good, but I was honestly not surprised, but kind of blown away by her voice. Like Mm -hmm. She really belts it out in a few songs, and uh, she was great. But we also have to hear what our fans have been listening to. Catherine, tell us about the social media responses. Yeah, on Instagram, we always ask, what is the greatest song folks have heard all week? And we had a couple of folks crying last week, which honestly, like, same. And so (laughs) uh, Angela picked Crying to the new Mitski album as her song of the week. Just like the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, I tried to get it to narrow it down, and she was like, I don't even know what song I was on when I started crying. I was like, yep, that's fair. I I definitely been there. Jerome cried to Duel of the Fates by John Williams from The Phantom Menace. So, yeah, I think more nostalgia in that one. But still... Anthony said, Is It Over Now by Taylor Swift, but all of the Vault songs, um, Is It Over Now, of course, is like 
It's just, it's great. It's so good. And then um, Stan is listening to Le Temple Volant by Crumb. And uh, that's a cool like indie pop sort of song. I don't know if you listen to it. It's like, it's really fun. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I love getting to hear like new things that people submit. It's like yeah, a fun same. part of my week every Keep week. submitting them. Keep sending them in uh, on Instagram. Email us. Tweet us. Like, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want to do. But, okay, I think it is time we got to talk to Bethany Cosentino. Her new album, Natural Disaster, came out this summer. It's one of my favorites of the year. So I say, let's just get right into it, right? Yeah. It is So Bethany, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you just released your first uh, solo album. Obviously, you've released plenty of albums in your career, but Natural Disaster. Tell us a little bit about that, how that came about, your decision to do it under your own name and, and how it's been now that it's out in the world. Yeah, so I, like the top of 2020, Best Coast put out our fourth album called Always Tomorrow, and it was like you know, pre-COVID, and then it came out right at the top of COVID. We were touring, and two weeks into it, you know, I don't need to state the obvious. Everything happened. Right. <laughs> and um, I was, much like everybody else, just spending a lot of time at home with myself, alone with my own thoughts, and kind of had a moment that, again, I think sort of a lot of us had of like, what have I not done in my life that I would like to do, that I've always wanted to do? And the answer to that question was I have always wanted to make an album that was a little bit more of like a, you know, a singer songwriter towing the line a little bit of country Americana, dipping into influences that I really didn't ever dip into with Best yeah. Coast. And also sort of had a bit of a realization that like I didn't really know who Bethany was outside of Best Coast anymore. And so it just felt like a pivotal moment for me of like going and beginning a new chapter of my life and career. Yeah, now that it's out, it's just like, it's so exciting. I worked so hard on it. I worked for many years on it in secret. And um, it just feels really good to like be able to be open about where I'm at and this thing that I, you know, worked very hard on finally. Yeah. Did you feel that with this record coming out under your name, more of a pressure that it represent you more fully, you know, your musical taste and you as an artist? Um... I don't think so. If I'm being really honest, I think that I actually feel less pressure than when I was making music as Best Coast and as part of a duo. I think that getting to just be myself and getting to be the only person that I answer to, it, there's something about that that I think has built my confidence in a way that maybe before I was sort of leaning a little heavily on sort of external ideas of who I was or what kind of music I was supposed to be making. And I think that with this, because the world didn't know I was doing it, I got to really go deep into a cocoon of figuring out like who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I really just followed a feeling of like, this is what I think I want this to sound like. Yeah, totally. How did the selection process go for like figuring out who you wanted to work with on the record in terms of like 
producing and other instrumentalists and that sort of thing? How did you use your sort of background to find those folks that you worked with? Well, so my producer and collaborator for the record is Butch Walker. And Mm -hmm. I actually met Butch like in 2013 to possibly make a Best Coast album with. And I was 26. It was a very different time. I was like not interested in collaborating in the way in which he and I collaborated on this album and sort of the way that Butch collaborates with a lot of the artists he works with. And I was just like stubborn and, you know, very headstrong and was like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have a formula. I don't need anybody else to come in here and tell me how to do it. But when I made the very conscious decision with this album that I was going to get out of my comfort zone and do everything absolutely differently than I ever had in the past, I thought about Butch and I was just like, I feel like Butch would actually be a really good person to do this with. I knew that he had moved to Nashville, that he had a lot of ties to sort of the Americana kind of world, but he also is a pop guy and a rock guy. And it just felt right. And so when I went to him, it was kind of funny because I hadn't spoken to him in many, many years. And I just kind of like popped in and was like, hi, remember me? And he was like, (laughs) of course. And I was like, would you maybe want to make a record with me? I'm doing a solo thing. And it was a very easy and very organic feeling uh, relationship. And I think we had a really good chemistry in the studio. And a lot of the, the session players and people that I met were through Butch. And that was just a really cool thing, too, to trust someone to sort of guide me down a road that I had not yet been down. Yeah, I saw you also wrote one of the songs on here, uh, Hope You're Happy Now with Mike Viola, who's one of my like all-time favorite yeah. songwriters. She's so great. Mike is another person that I met like many, many years ago and kind of returned to with this project, just sort of like dipped back into the pool of people that I had met in the past that I didn't really ever like flesh anything out with. Yeah. Yeah. So to go back, I'm just curious about like how you first fell in love with music. I like to ask people, you know, if there was like a specific song or moment or album that you remember having like a really big impact on you as a kid. Um, well, my dad is a musician, so I was very much raised around music and I actually got my start with music in church. Like Mm. I grew up going to church and that's where it all started for me. Like I sang in the church band. I actually had a like pop punk Christian band when I was in like middle school. But yeah, I think for me, it was, it was never really a question of like, is this something that I like? It felt very sort of just in my DNA. Mm -hmm. You know, it almost felt like it was like something that my dad just like transferred to me. (laughs) My mom is also creative. She's a fashion designer. And um, so I was just raised in a really artistic home, a really creative home where the arts were really like cherished and looked at as something that, you know, was attainable to do. And um, I think for me, my first real connection to song was by way of like Disney movies. Like I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid. And like when I first heard Part of Your World, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to be a singing mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those those Mankin and Ashman songs are just so, so incredible. Yeah, for sure. I saw the remake and I like wept because it just reminded me so much of being a kid and like the connection that I had to the feeling that that song created in me, the spark that it ignited. Yeah, totally. So when did you start writing songs then? The first song I ever wrote, I was probably like seven, seven or eight. I had like a little band with my cousin. Her dad is also a musician. Mm. Our dads like had a band together 
And um, I played keyboards and she played drums and we would sort of swap off and like I would try drums and she would play keyboards. Mm. And it was funny because my dad's a drummer and her dad's a piano player. So it was like (laughs) we wanted to do the opposite thing that our dads did. But the very first song I wrote that we did in that band was just called Running. And the lyrics were running. My heart is beating so fast. Running. (laughs) Wow. I love that you remember that. I mean, I do. But. I think after that, it was like when I was 13, my dad got me a guitar. And that was when I really started to sort of like explore the idea that you could write songs about your feelings. Because when you're seven, you're just like, what do I, what am I going to write about? I'm going to write about running Running, and how it makes my heart beat fast. But when you're 13, you're like, you know, I was starting to experience like my first crushes and my first feelings of heartbreak and starting to like feel confused about my place in the world. And it gave me an outlet to sort of talk about that stuff. And I just kind of never stopped. I just kept going from there. Yeah. Do you think that there were certain artists that you were trying to emulate in those early songs that you were writing? Yeah, I would say that one million percent my hero icon when I really started writing and starting to think about like releasing my own music into the world was Jenny Lewis. Like I was obsessed with Rilo Kylie, I still love Jenny. Jenny's actually a friend of mine now, which is always so crazy to me. Like whenever I'm around her, I'm still like starstruck and I like try to be cool, but I'm also like, you don't know the impact that you add on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was one of the very first female singer songwriters that I encountered at that age. Of course, I always loved like Sheryl Crow and mm. Joni Mitchell and Carol King and Linda Ronstadt and all these people that my mom listened to. But Jenny was really the first person that I saw that seemed like she wasn't that far away from like who I aspired to be at some point in my life, right. you know? And so I was definitely writing songs trying to be like, what would Jenny Lewis say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still think I kind of maybe am like that a little bit. I think she's an icon, absolutely, and an incredible songwriter. So she's definitely still somebody that I would say is an inspiration. Well, that was actually going to be my next question. Now, you know, you're established in your career. You've released a lot of music under different artist names. You're still writing songs. Do you find your relationship to listening to music different now uh, that you're sort of more uh, established in your career? I just, I am like an eternal fan of music. I mean, I, I don't really know how else to put it other than that simply, but it's just like a song can still move me to the point of like listening to it, you know, 50 times in a row the way that I did when I was 13 and like buying CDs for the first time and putting them in my CD player and like laying on the ground and staring at the ceiling. Like when music really feels like it comes from the heart and it feels like there's a story and it's a relatable sort of sentiment, I really gravitate to it because I think it makes me feel seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is ultimately, at the end of the day, the goal that I have as a songwriter is to create things that also make people feel seen, to make things that make people feel less alone in a really big and scary, confusing world. At the end of the day, like if, you know, 30 years from now, I am no longer making music, I will still be a person who goes to shows and buys albums and, and really sits and listens to songs just because... Again, I think it's so ingrained in me as a person because I was around it my entire life. I don't know a life without music in it in some context. Yeah, totally. With all that being said, Bethany, what is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life? Um, My answer to that question is, If It Makes You Happy by Sheryl Crow. If it makes you
a great pick. Do you have a memory of when this came into your life? I think the first time I heard this song was in a grocery store. And it's so funny because I tweeted this recently, but somebody like left a comment. I can't remember what platform it was. There's too many to keep track of these days. Someone left a comment (laughs) on something that said to me that they thought my new album was, they were like, this record is dog shit. It sounds like grocery store music. Oh my God. And I was like, they think that's an insult, but I take that to be the biggest compliment that anybody could ever give me. Because when I think of grocery store music, I think of songs like If It Makes You Happy. I think of those songs from the 90s that were so infectious that when they came on, whether it was in the store or on the radio in the car or in the fucking dressing room of the department store, back to school shopping, everyone in that room knows it. Every single person knows the hook. Every single person is like, I could sing along to this. So I thought it was so funny because I was like, you're literally describing my ultimate goal as a songwriter is to be the grocery store (laughs) singer songwriter. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I will say, I feel like your new album, Natural Disaster, feels very like 90s Sheryl Crow in the best way. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, this song is so great. I mean, I think especially just her vocal performance in that hook with that octave leap is just like so badass and so, so good. Yeah, she's such an incredible singer. I'm not going to say she's underrated in any way because she's fucking Sheryl Crow. She's a legend. But like, I think that you look at where she got her start and her start is that she was a backup singer for Michael Jackson. You know, like you have to be a killer singer to be a fucking backup singer for Michael Jackson. And I think the really cool thing about her voice and her range and her ability is that she is this very powerful singer, but she sings a type of music that maybe doesn't necessarily feel like it would be the type of music where you would showcase something like what you were just saying, like to sing up in crazy octave and to hit these belty ass notes. And that's something that I have always, always admired about her as a singer is just how fucking good she is and how wide her range is. Best Coast covered this song a lot, and I always do this one at karaoke, and it still, to this day, like, shocks me when you go to hit that fucking note. It's just like, like, I've done it so many times, and I I know I can do it, and I do it in the car, and trust me, I've sang it one million times because, again, I think it's the best song in the world, but, like, it's still, to this day, like, when I hear her do it, I'm just like, fuck, dude. It seems so effortless. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you sound great on it, too. I think that the reason I wanted to cover it is because, yeah, it's just a song that I love so much. It's also one of those things kind of to tie it back to like the grocery store music thing. It's like I think that often there's this idea that, you know, musical taste is that you like one genre, right? I think that a song like If It Makes You Happy spans the idea of people that are like, I only listen to this type of music. It's like the type of song that anybody, probably anywhere in the world, is like, yeah, I've Mm -hmm. heard that song before. Like you could talk to your like 80-year-old grandma and you could talk to probably a 16-year-old who's learning that song now by way of TikTok or, you know, they see the Crossroads movie with Britney Spears in it and they're like, oh my God, I know that song. 
it's like a universally loved song. And so when we started covering it with Best Coast, it was just an immediate hit because everyone in the audience was like, I love this fucking song. Even the guy that's like the most pretentious record collector of all time is like, yeah, this fucking song slaps. He's not going to deny that. Also, God, (laughs) I I hope teens are watching Crossroads with Britney Spears. I hope that's true. (laughs) I think they are because I have a few young, like, you know, they're they're Gen Z, but they're like yeah. a little older. And like literally someone said this to me recently, like, well, you know, the movie Crossroads with Britney Spears. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I know the movie Crossroads with Britney Spears. What do you think? Come oh, on. Man, that's so funny. <laughs> but I do respect that they think that they're like discovering like low rise yeah. pants and rocket dogs. I'm like, you guys yeah, have we're in no the trenches. idea. Yeah the hell that we lived through that's the key to the the growing popularity though if they think they discovered it then it's going to keep getting more and more popular exactly (laughs) we'll just let them we'll let them feel like that belongs to them exactly (laughs) oh one thing i will say is that jeff trott who co-wrote this song with cheryl crow who has been one of her longtime collaborators i actually got to write a song with him for my album the song is called a single day it was really cool to like get to work with someone who worked on one of my favorite songs of all time and also just all of the albums of hers that I love so much. I did really nerd out very hard with him and he was very like receiving of it, but it was really hard for me to be in the room and not be like, oh my God, like you co-wrote the best fucking song in the world and you want to write a song with me. Like it was a really cool kind of full circle and moment for me. It, it makes me feel really good about how far I've come in my career that I get to be in rooms with people like that. It's a moment of real accomplishment for me. Yeah, totally. Also, I'm so uh, that's I'm so embarrassed that I didn't make that connection. <laughs> but that's very <laughs> <It's> cool. <okay. laughs> yeah. Bethany, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about your new album and about Cheryl Crow and so many other things like grocery stores. <laughs> if people want to find more about you or follow what you're doing uh, online, where should they go? They can follow me on Instagram. It's Bethany, I think it's Bethany underscore Cosentino. You can go to my website, BethanyCosentino.com, Twitter, Bethany Coast. TikTok. I'm on all of it. You just Google me. I'll, nice. You'll find me. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk more soon. Yeah. Thank you guys. Long way from All right, so Catherine, what did you think of Bethany and the Cheryl Crow pick? Uh, like we said before up top, that interview was so fun. She's such an interesting person and singer-songwriter, and I love that Cheryl Crow song. I'm more of a Soak Up the Sun Cheryl Crow girly, but uh, I do yeah. love that pick. What about you? It's so funny. When I was on tour with the Skylar Spence band years ago, we had like a pretty heated fight about this about <laughs> which Cheryl Crow song is the best Cheryl Crow song because I was oh. also a soak up the sun and every everyone else was like no it's if it makes you happy and like oh wow I see both sides but yeah I just, yeah of course you know my grandma really loved soak up the sun and I don't yeah, know there's just something it's a about classic. it I had Come On, Come On, that album from, like, I think 2002, 2003, where Soak Up the Sun was on. Yeah. And I just, like, remember the feeling of putting it in my purple CD player and, like, pressing down the lid, pressing play, going to, I think it was track two, like, going to the next track and blasting Soak Up the Sun. It just, 
it's such a like memory in my mind of that specific album. Yeah. So, but yeah, if it makes you happy is just, it's such a good karaoke tune. It's so good to belt out. Like yeah. I bet it feels amazing when Beth covers it as well. Like she was talking about it and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great yeah. song. All right. Well, we would love to hear from all of you about what you think about if it makes you happy or any other Cheryl Crow song, you can get in touch with us email or social media and please be sure to check out natural disaster by bethany cosentino wherever you listen to music yeah such a good record also you can follow and get in touch with us on social media at great song pod that's gr number eight song pod email us at great song pod gr number eight song pod at gmail.com and please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Think about leading a rating or reviewing to help other people find the show. I want to give a special shout out to you, Catherine, for helping me produce the show. Also to Izzy for help with mixing, to Roger Feely Lucier for our new art and design for the podcast, to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos in Love is our theme music, and to you, the listener, for listening. Thanks so much, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Bye! Bye!